Give it up for Richard. I'm feeling some life, baby. I'm feeling some life. Oh, so you don't wear the tie like you don't wear it on the outside? Let me get it back in there. Um, I heard you guys got some good preaching while I was gone. Is that right? Good preaching by the staff. Thank all 12 of you for your applause this morning for that good preaching. Uh, I really heard the guys did a great, great job, and uh, we love them, and just appreciate them. I want to say something um, about the media ministry here at Whitley Church. You have no idea what these guys encounter every weekend. Can I just tell you that the machinery in that room over there, that's the video room over there behind that wall, and the machinery back there have minds of their own. Amen, boys. Amen. And they do stuff they want to do. And uh, we're sitting here sometimes, and, and what comes up on the screen isn't perfect. You, you can cool believe that there is some scrambling going on in that room right there. Don't you dare think, well, I wonder if they know that there ain't nothing on that middle screen up there. Uh, yeah, yeah, they know. They know. They know. They know. And uh, try. <laughs> <laughs> that sounded a little bit like God right there. Why don't we keep that? <laughs> you, you can cool believe Travis, Travis uh, Scott is back there, buddy. I know Travis, and uh, he, is, uh, he is not a happy camper when what's up there on that screen is not right. So can we give it up for our media team? I'm telling you. It's one of the most stressful jobs in this church. And I love those guys, and they make me look good every Sunday, or they do the best they can with what they got, but I love those guys very much, and I appreciate all the staff guys who stepped up and everybody who stepped up while Millie and I were away on vacation. People ask me, did we have a good vacation? Let me just tell you about vacations. I've been on some that are better, better than others, but I've never been on a bad one. <laughs> the worst vacation I ever had was wonderful. Amen. Y'all with me out there? You guys who hadn't taken your family on vacation, shame on you. Take your family somewhere. You say it's too expensive. Have you been to the cliffs of the noose? It's not that expensive. We'll loan you one of our Royal Ranger tents. Take your family somewhere. Amen, ladies? Amen. I know those wives are out there going, tell it, preacher, tell it. <laughs> Everything... When you think about it, everything starts with a story. If you're a Christian, you definitely have a story. Now, your story may not be like mine. Uh, I came out of um, just a very, very, very rough life uh, at the age of seven. I gave my heart to Jesus. But before that, I was strung out on cotton candy and... <clears throat> So I don't have one of those testimonies either where I came out of some. And, th and that's not a bad reflection on people who do have those testimonies. But you have to understand that you have a testimony. You have a story. If you're a child of God, hey, listen, listen. 
Can I just be real blunt? If you were on your way to hell and now you're on your way to heaven, that's a pretty big story. Amen, amen. amen. So if you're a Christian, you got a story, and your story has the potential, as we heard in Pastor Andy's story today, your, your story has the potential to change somebody else's life so that they have a story. Um, I'm going to tell you who it was. They're sitting right behind me this morning, Jason and Tiffany. Jason and Tiffany wave right there. They have a story that is amazing. They have an incredible, amazing story of how God uh, brought them through some very, very difficult times, and they shared that story. And the lady who sent me the email last night said it's because of Jason and Tiffany. It's because they took, it, it kind of broke my heart. She didn't say it's because of one of your awesome sermons. She didn't say that. She said it's because of the story of Jason and Tiffany that I'm in church today. And I'm serving God. I appreciate you guys. I appreciate you telling your story. I love you for that. Hey, here's some good news. It's never too late to develop your story. It's never too late to tell your story. As a matter of fact, I'll go a step further. Even if you're here today and you have never accepted Christ, you're still kind of deciding if you're going to accept Christ. You're still kind of deciding if you're going to follow this Bible, Jesus, God, church way of life. You're still kind of, uh, you know, investigating this whole Jesus thing. You, you haven't even decided. I want to tell you it's not even too late for you. As a matter of fact, your story could start today, today. See, it's totally up to you whether you decide to turn. Psalm 85, I believe, is the psalm that says, turn us, O Lord. See, that's your story. Your story really is three things. It's what you were before Jesus. It's how you came to Jesus and coming to Jesus, and then it's what your life's been like since Jesus. That's your, that's your story. If you're going to develop your testimony, get a pad and just sit down with a pen and pad and write, before Jesus, how I found Jesus, and what my life has been like since Jesus. Every one of you who know him can tell that story. Every single one of you. You know, you know what some good news is, and I know this is so simple, but you know what some really good news is? That it is never, whether you are a Christian or not, it is never too late to say, you know what, I'm starting over today. It's never too late for a fresh start. Maybe you're, maybe you're one who hasn't come to Christ yet. You've not received Christ into your heart. You've not made that decision. It's, it's not too late to do that today. But, but even for my believers who are here, who are, who are in a stale relationship with God. You ever been in a sort of a cold, distant relationship with God? Kind of stale. He drifted away. Did you know that today in this service you can decide no more stale relationship with God? You can decide right now today. Today can be the beginning of a fresh start in your life. What does a child say when it's time to put them to bed? Hey, what do you guys want? They say, tell us a story. Tell us a story. And they never, you know, I was always amazed because these were things I was interested in. When we would go to bed, my boys never said, Daddy, what was the Dow Jones average today? I mean, what did the stock market do? How did it end up today? 
Because really, how that start market ended up and how that day went sort of affected their life, but they didn't know that. They couldn't care less. They wanted me to tell them a story. And I would begin every story with the four famous words, yes, yes. And I've got to tell y'all that it was in telling my children stories that I developed this whole sermon series idea. Because I would tell them a story and I would get to a certain point and then I would go, and tomorrow night we will talk more. They'd go, no, just like y'all on Sunday, tell me more, daddy, tell me more. <laughs> same thing, same thing we go through here every Sunday. And I'd have follow-up stories. I remember one night I was telling my boys a, a story and I was talking to him about my high school years. I remember little Mitch, he was about this big, he looked up at me and said, well, daddy, you know, why did you become a pastor if you were the greatest athlete in the whole world? <laughs> I had to obey God, son. It's not about me. It's about God. When you're telling your kids stories, you have to be really careful. I remember one time we were in um, Gatlinburg, Tennessee on vacation, and we didn't get to go to church like we did when we were at home. And so I would, I would, uh, I would uh, say, all right, we're going to do Bible story tonight. We're going to do Bible story. We kind of have church on our vacation right there in the little cottage we were staying in. And I remember the boys were real little, and I thought, well, I'll just tell them the story of David and Goliath. Y'all know that story. I love that story. That's one of the most famous stories in the Bible, if not the most famous story in the whole Bible. But at the end of that, I don't know whether y'all realize it or not, but right at the end of that, the story says this. It says, then David cut off Goliath's head and claimed victory for the Lord. And I remember telling that story and saying that and going, good night, sweet dreams. I'm going to head off to bed. <laughs> and, uh, you know, when I was walking out the room, they're both, you know, so Millie had to help me. Uh, with that. How about us adults? We like stories? Yeah. As a matter of fact, um, my boys are adults now most of the time, and um, <laughs> they, uh, they, they talk to me about sermons I preached a long time ago, and the ones they remember are the ones I told in a story form. They don't remember the points. So don't you remember I had four points and they all started with the same letter? I mean, that's godly. <laughs> They're like, no, Daddy, we don't remember any points, but we can tell that story. We can tell the story about the woman with the issue of blood and how nobody believed in her. Nobody wanted to be touched by her and nobody wanted to be around her. And we remember, Daddy, how you told about her getting up that morning and going, I'm touching Jesus today. And nobody's going to stop me. And I love it when my boys remember those stories. But, you know, we as adults, we like stories too. That's why we watch TV. Y'all look real holy out there, but I know y'all watch TV. I know you do. <laughs> you know, one of my favorite TV programs is Blue Bloods. Do y'all like Blue Bloods? Who likes Blue Bloods? All right, y'all need, yeah, amen. How many of you ladies watch it just because Tom Selleck has still got it going on? Amen. <laughs> Me and Tom, baby. Me and Tom. Yeah. I like Blue Bloods, and, uh, and uh, that's why we go to the movies, and that's why we read books. I'm usually reading three kinds of books at one time. Um, I'm usually reading a book that has to do with uh, 
stretching me as far as Bible knowledge is concerned, then I'm usually reading a book on church leadership or how to be a better pastor, how to be a better leader, how to make our church a better church. So I'm, I'm always reading those two kinds. And then I've usually got a little fiction going on because I like to get lost in a book about a, a fictional characters. And there are great Christian writers out there. Now, every uh, book that I read that's fiction is not necessarily a Christian book. It's not an anti-Christian book, but it's just a, a book to read and just kind of get lost in the, in the characters and the story and, and uh, helps you relax. I mean, um, we love stories as adults. One of the TV programs on TV that's really, really popular is um, Extreme Makeover Home Edition. How, how many of y'all watch that? <clears throat> and, and we watched that, you know, and, and uh, uh, I watched one episode and it reminded me really of um, uh, Steve and Chris Jack because this lady uh, had adopted seven children and every one of them had um, disabilities. She was by herself. She didn't have a man in her life. Her husband had died uh, or either that marriage had dissolved. I can't remember how that story went, but... Uh, on Extreme Makeover, they told about her life and bringing these kids into her home. And, and they lived in a shack, I'm telling you. They lived in something like a, you'd have as a barn in your backyard. It just maybe had a little heating system in it. That was about it, and it was just terrible. And they built her house. And then they moved the bus, you know, and there's the house. And every time that happens, my allergies kick in. And... <laughs> I'm like, Millie, can you get some Claritin? I got uh, allergies, because, you know, we men, we don't want to get any strikes against our man card, you know. So. Everybody loves a story. I don't know anybody who doesn't like a story. I mean, you got to be a, a pretty big old sourpuss if you don't like a good story. And here's what I want you to walk out of here with today. I want you to walk out of here today with the recognition that you have a powerful story. I want you to say this. I have a story. God gave it to me. And he wants me to tell it. Let's do it again. I have a story. God gave it to me. He wants me to tell it. Now everybody say this. I'm going to make a video. <laughs> Oh, man. Um, that was powerful, Richard Kemp. Wasn't that powerful, one of our teenagers? What a way to get us started in this series. And boy, there's one next week you're going to hear from one of our members, one of our, I'm sorry, one of our owners who's going to uh, just share with you some unbelievable stuff that she's been through and how God brought her through it. See, most of you here today don't realize, because nobody ever told you, nobody ever said this to you before. That's why we're doing this series Nobody ever told you that your story is powerful and that your story has the potential to influence somebody's life for eternity. See, I think when Jason and Tiff told their story to this young lady, I don't think they thought much about it. They just said, you know, I got to tell you, man, we were kind of down and beaten up and we came to Jesus and this happened to us. And, and I don't think they really told it knowing fully how it was going to impact, how it was going to move, how it was going to stir the heart of this young lady. Some of us don't even realize we have a story at all, much less, much less whether it's influential or powerful. 
but you got one. God wants you to share it. See, nobody can tell your story like you can because it's, it's your story. See, if I stand up here and preach a sermon and I go, let me tell you a story about Charles Spurgeon. Well, I mean, you know, it has impact and, and illustrations are important and stories are important, but when you say, let me tell you what happened to me one time, ears perk up. It's more powerful when the story is your story because when you develop your story, and we're gonna talk about developing it, there's a class we offer here at the church called D4, D4. And in that class, which is going on right now, they really go into quite a bit of detail on how to write your testimony, how to develop your story. And the reason we do that is because we believe here at Whitley Church in the Bridge, we believe that the most powerful way to lead somebody to Jesus is through a narrative. It's through a story, through you not looking at them and going, you are a sinner, you are on your way to hell, and you need to come to Jesus. How many of you know that ain't real effective every time? But when you look at somebody and go, hey, dude, listen, man, I'm not trying to be the boss of your life. But I got to tell you, I was where you are. And I came to Jesus, and now this is where I am. I don't know of anything that would sell me to use some of the language of the day's world. I don't know anything that would convince me more than a person's story. I mean, if you're gonna come to my house selling vacuum cleaners, I wanna know how long you've owned one and how it works for you. Amen, amen? And if you sell vacuum cleaners, don't come to my house. <laughs> but I sure do admire those people that go door to door and do it, don't you? Think about it this way. Somebody's dying to hear your story. See, somebody needs the hope that only your story can give them. It's a pretty big blow to a preacher's ego, but not everybody's reached by a sermon. There are people who will come to Jesus when you tell your story, not when they hear me preach. They need to hear your story. I'm going to go so far as to say this. There are people out there right now waiting to hear your story. They need the hope it'll give them. They need the help it will give them. They need the healing it will give them. They need the encouragement your story will give them. They need the direction. There are people who, who don't know what to do, don't know which way to go. They're, they're in a fog. And if they heard your story, it would inspire them. It would give direction. It would give hope. It would give healing, encouragement. Your story has that potential. It's your story. God gave it to you. And he wants you to tell it. Now, again, you might not think your story is that amazing. I mean, because you live with it every day. But you would be surprised to know how many lives would be impacted if you would take this sermon series over the next few weeks to heart. And you would do this. See, here's what you got to do. You got to get that pad out. Now, now I got to tell you guys, I work better on a computer. I work better like in a Word document and, and writing that way. But there's just something about pen and paper and just start writing and this saying, God, I, I gotta tell you, I don't see what Pastor Farrell 
is saying for me, I, I mean, I see it for other people, but I don't see it for me. But God, pastor said, I got a story. He said, you gave me a story. He says, you want me to tell it. God, I got to tell you, I don't really see a story, but Lord, I am open. And if you will just begin to help me remember and help me appreciate things that happened that brought me to you and, and help me to remember the details of how I came to you and, and bring back to my memory how my life has changed for the better since I met you. Here's what will happen. The Holy Spirit of God will, will enhance your memory and enhance your thoughts. You know, the reason some of us don't have a story is because we've never really thought about it or asked God to help us develop it. I promise you that if you'll start saying, God, what do you want me to say? What do you want me to tell? What's my testimony? He will answer that. God, do y'all realize God doesn't need us? He don't need us. But we are the apple of his eye. I don't get it. I really don't get it. I love that scripture where Paul says, you ought to do everything you can to understand the love of God. However, you never will. That's what he says. You will never be able to comprehend his love. Think about, just think about this. In creation, he made everything. I mean, six days. You know, God can do everything in two seconds. It's pretty awesome that in, he took six days to create this environment. And then at the end of this in, creation of all this incredible, amazing, unbelievable environment, he said, now, now. And I can see him almost excited as he's thinking, I'm going to make now the creature that I love above all other creatures. I made birds and I made animals and I made uh, fish and I made National Geographic so it can be on TV and you can learn about it. God's like, <laughs> I know, I'm crazy. God's, God, God made all that. And then he said, but my greatest creation is man. My greatest creation is you guys. And he put us in this world and he said, not only am I going to love on them and not only am I going to uh, desire that they would love on me and not only are we going to commune with each other, but I'm going to use people to do my will. He uses us. So then how can we become a person of impact and how can our story help somebody else? Some of you are sitting on prize winning stories. You don't even know it because you've never thought about it. Every time I talk to a person, we've got a counseling team here in the church and we've got people on staff who, who serve them and train them, but we have a whole group of people in our church who are counselors. And I appreciate them, but I gotta tell you something, man. They will tell you what I'm about to tell you. Sometimes I'm sitting with people in counseling sessions and you know who I think about when they start talking? I think about some of you because I know your story and I think, man, I wish they were here. I wish so-and-so was here because they could help this person more than I can. I mean, I know I'm Reverend Farrell Hardison. But I don't have anything in my experience of life that really would impact them. If I had so-and-so in here who I know their story, they could do more in five minutes to help this person than I could do in five counseling sessions. Do you hear what I'm saying? Your story 
in many cases, is going to be more powerful than any sermon I could preach, any sermon um, Jensen Franklin could preach, any sermon T.D. Jakes could preach, any sermon Billy Graham could preach, because God intends for you to speak your story to certain people, and they're out there waiting right now to hear it. Isn't that, isn't that amazing to think that? Just amazing. Sometimes when I hear about hurting people and lonely people and people in trouble and people in pain, I think about you. I think about, man, he's been right there. If he was here, he could. And sometimes you guys know I'll do it. I'll hook you up with that person. Y'all think Facebook. I'm just playing on Facebook, don't you? You think I'm just playing. I'm not playing. I have a strategy. And I will, get a, I will get a message from somebody who tells me they're hurting and I'll think of another one of my Facebook friends who's already been through that and has the victory and I will hook them up because I know their story will help this person. Happens all the time, all the time. Helping me serve this church, helping me pastor this church. So I ask myself, why don't people share their story? Why don't they? Let me give you three reasons I came up with why. And you, you could probably come up with more. They wouldn't be as good as the three I came up with, but you could probably come up with three. Uh, I've had some people email me and give me some other reasons why, uh, but they're not nearly as good as mine. So let me give you the three that I have. You know, one reason you wouldn't share your story is pride, <clears throat> selfishness. Another reason a person might not share their story is because they're scared. I think that's probably number one. Especially when we say, get in front of this camera and share your story. Some of you, some of you, your, your testimony does need to be on camera, though. And we really do that pretty easy. We just kind of put a camera on you, and then we kind of sit over to the side, and somebody talks to you, and you're, you're having a conversation, and then the editor just takes what you said to that person in conversation and creates a, a video from it. Sometimes we will sit you on a railroad track because we know when the train is coming, you will cry out to God. <clears throat> I mean, that's why Richard was going, here's my story, and I want to just tell y'all that God, what God... <laughs> So, so listen, li listen to me. You've you got to get over your fear of telling your story. Tell it to one person. Here's, a, here's an idea. Get that pad out. Start praying. Start praying. Say, God, I don't even know what to write down. And then write down three categories. Before Jesus, finding Jesus, after Jesus. And then start writing under each of those sections and asking God all along, God, remind me, remind me. Here's what will happen. You might not really feel too good about what you write down to begin with, but God will because now, but now uh, because you've gotten started, you'll begin thinking about it during the day while you're at work. You'll begin thinking about it when you're driving. You'll begin thinking about it different times. You go, man, when I get home, I'm writing that down. Well, the weakest ink is better than the strongest memory, so take a pad with you. It's really important to keep an ink pen and pad by your bed because God gives you stuff in the middle of the night. And some of you are old and you won't remember the next morning. So you gotta write it down when he gives it to you. Amen. Isn't that true? 
So then God will just help you and, and you'll get over your fear. And then after you've written that stuff, you, you'll get with a friend and, and you'll say, hey, listen, I've kind of been working on my story, like Pastor said, and I want to tell it to you and tell me what you think about it. And get somebody who'll be honest with you and go, well, I wouldn't tell that part about being naked. I wouldn't tell that part. That's probably not going to be good right there. But <laughs> I don't know where that came from. I just know half of y'all ain't listening, so when I say naked, then everybody's listening. So... So, uh, especially when I say naked, then I know you're listening. But, but, you know, have somebody who's going to say something, somebody who's going to say, hey, man, that's great right there. You know what you should say about that? Because I remember when that happened to you, and what you should say about that is da-da-da-da-da. See, because it impacted their life in a way you did. See, you see how other people will help you develop your testimony, your story? And then the third reason some people may not do it is because they just don't think they're Story is going to have any influence on anybody. They don't think it's really good enough to tell. And that's a lie. It's a lie from the enemy. So regardless of what the reason is that you may have for not sharing your story, here's what my hope is, that in this sermon series called Your Story, that you will leave here today and every Sunday that we deal with this, every message we deal with this, that you will leave challenged to share it. Let me just give you this as we close, as we close. And, and as we close, what does that mean, really? It doesn't mean anything. Okay. Number one, the power of your story. Let's think about that today. The power of your story. Everybody say, I have a story. God gave it to me. And it's powerful. Amen. See, I can try to convince you that your story's powerful, but until you personally believe and are convinced that your God-given story is powerful, then your story will not be as powerful as it could be. You have to believe it. And for your story to be powerful, You've got to have faith in what God did for you and that people need to hear it. Jesus was the greatest storyteller in the Bible. Well, really, he was the greatest teacher. He was the greatest teacher in the Bible. Can I get an amen on that? And the thing that he used most to teach was absolutely true. Absolutely true. He was a master storyteller. He knew how to impact people. He knew how to change people's lives, and his primary method for doing it was telling stories. Look at this verse. Look at this verse. In the book of Matthew, chapter 13, look at verse 34. Jesus, how often? Always used what? And what? Like these when speaking to the crowds. Look at this. In fact, he never spoke to them without using such. There are three words in that verse that mean story. The first one is uh, stories. The second one is illustrations, and the last one is parables. Jesus used them all the time. There are more than 30 stories told by Jesus in the New Testament, and stories are so important that when you include the whole Bible, there are over 250 stories told. I decided what I would do is just list all the stories Jesus told in alphabetical order. So I'm going to give them to you. Y'all ready? Here they come. Write these down. Here they come. Alert servants, barren fig tree, bread of life, budding fig tree, children in the market, Christian light, dinner guest, divided kingdom, feast invitations, friend at midnight, good Samaritan, good shepherd, good great physician, groom's attendants, growing seed, hidden treasure, householder, humbled guest, king's war plans. Y'all got this? 
King's war plans. Labors in the vineyard, landowner, leaven, lost coin, lost sheep, marriage feast, mustard seed, net of fish, new cloth, new wine, pearl of great price, Pharisee and the tax collector, <coughs> prodigal son, rich man and Lazarus, rich fools, salt without taste, servants, duty, sheep and goats, sheep and, amen. Um, sign of Jonah, and then I love this, tears in the field part one of the series, and tears in the field part two. See, Jesus did sermon series, that's where I got the idea. 10 talents, 10 virgins, the sower part one, the sower part two, sermon series. Uh, two debtors, two sons, unclean spirit, unjust judge, unjust steward, unmerciful servant, unprepared builder, vine and branches, Watching servants, wise builder, wise servant, wise steward. Jesus told all those stories. Now here's how Jesus used stories. Watch this. Because this is how he wants you to use your story. Jesus used stories to connect the kingdom of God with humanity because they were separated in the Garden of Eden. So Jesus used stories to merge I love what one a gentleman came up to me after church last night, and he's actually uh, taking some Bible classes online, and they are actually talking about this. And he came up to me, and he said one of his one of his professors said that your story comes from God's story colliding with your story. I like that. So God's kingdom being connected to humanity. That's how God used stories. That's how Jesus used them. Jesus would make this connection by telling stories about just ordinary people, fishermen and farmers and tax collectors and other ordinary people. Jesus masterfully used stories to connect people to his father's story, to his Story. Jesus understood that the Father orchestrated the whole universe as one big narrative. Think about your Bible. <laughs> I mean, that's what your Bible is. Your Bible is history, his story. <clears throat> you might say, well, I'm, I'm just not that smart. I'm just not that good. Well, let me just tell you, y'all know, I've told you about how I was in high school. I was the most awesome C student in, in school. But I always made, always made a real good grade in two things. Writing, who would have ever thunk it? I write a paper now every week. I gotta tell you all the funny story. I've told this before, but please pretend you've never heard it. We were sitting, I graduated from Charles Baycock High School. All right, <clears throat> so if you can graduate from there, anybody can, if I can. So, so I'm sitting in the audience, it's awards day. Y'all with me? The valedictorian is on the stage. The salutatorian is on the stage. I'm out in the audience not paying attention, <laughs> talking to somebody because I have the gift of prophecy, and I was using it. And, and so the, they, go, they go, the valedictorian wins this award. And valedictorian stand up there, you know, some nerd. And then... And then the salutatorian, get, and they're standing out there holding their plaque. And we had had an essay contest, and I'd written a, a paper about the bomb being dropped on Hiroshima, Hiroshima, however you say that. See, I don't even know how you say it. And, um, 
And I'd written a paper about that. And, and they went, and the winner of the essay award is Farrell Hardison. And I'm like, send him in the I'm standing up on the stage with the valedictorian, the salutatorian, and my buddies are laying down, laughing their head off. But see, everybody's got a gift. Everybody's got a story. God wants you to work on yours. He wants you to tell it. He gave it to you. He wants you to develop, and he wants you to tell it. Think about history. The other topic I was good at in school was history. I was always good at history. Hmm, good at talking, writing, and history. I think he's gonna be a preacher. Um, how many of y'all came to the baby dedication Wednesday night? A bunch of you guys come? There was a prophetic event that happened at the baby dedication. Pastor Matt's little boy, Landon, he was holding him and his britches dropped down in the back a little bit, about this far, and I said, he's gonna be a plumber. So I just knew. <laughs> that it was a God moment, you know. I'm sorry. I just stopped preaching and became a comedian. Let me get back to preaching here. But God's book, God's history book, it has a beginning, it has a middle, and it has an end, the Bible. It's a story, the Bible's a story, isn't it? So what we need to understand from this sermon series is that our individual stories play a major part in God's grand story. Think about this now. You and I are part of his story. We got our story, but we're part of his story. Listen, listen. We're characters in his story. He talks about us in his book. I just think that's amazing. And as his greatest creation, which is what we are, he has designed us to respond to the stories of others and tell stories. Let me just end with this. What moves us? You know what moves us is stories. You think about Extreme Makeover? I mean, it stirs our heart. It stirs our heart when we watch Extreme Makeover because stories that are about forgiveness, stories that are about redemption, stories that are about do-overs and fresh starts, stories that are about overcoming the odds. Man, those are the stories that move our hearts. These are the kind of stories that make us want more from life. I mean, there, you, you, can be in a, you, you can be in sort of a, a low place in your life and you can hear the right story and it will just spark hope in you. It'll just make you say, I'm getting up out of this. I'm not staying in this. Stories are powerful. We hear stories all the time that make us want to draw nearer to God. Stories are huge. You remember when you were a kid, you always wanted to be a hero. You always wanted to be the hero. How many of you, uh, how, how many of you took bath towels and, and uh, put them around your neck, you guys, and put a pin in them and jumped out of trees and hurt your legs and stuff like that because you were determined to be a... Hero. See, we want to be, we want to be, a, listen, listen, get this now. We want to be a part of something bigger than us. We want to be a part of something greater and grander. And we are. We're part of his story. Story of the Lord, story he wrote. Let me close with this little story. Paul. We're over in the book of Acts. We're in chapter 24, 25, 26, 27, over in that area. <clears throat> We're over in that area, and uh, 
Paul is uh, being sent from one judge to another, just being sent all around from one judge to another. It's kind of like when Jesus was being tried and, all the, and, and Pilate tried to get Jesus to another judge and tried to get him, and, and then Pilate finally just washed his hands. He just wanted Jesus off his hands. And I got a feeling these guys wanted Paul off their hands. Well, Paul ends up, I think it's in, I think it's in, chapter, uh, it's in chapter 26, Acts 26. Paul ends up in front of a king, Agrippa. And people get up and lie on him. And, and I don't know how you are, but when somebody lies on me, I just want to defend myself. Don't you? I just want to stand up and go, ah, that's not true. Let me tell you what really happened. So when all these people got up and just lied and lied and lied and lied on Paul, King Agrippa said, all right, Paul, um, what do you have to say in defense? <clears throat> now, I don't know what King Agrippa looked like, but permit my imagination. I just think probably he was one of those six, five kings with the square jaw and, you know, just majestic royalty just was the aura about him. And he probably spoke with a white man's very white voice, you know, he probably said, Paul, now you've heard these accusations against you. Now, what do you have to say for yourself? And you know what Paul did? You know what he did? Didn't defend himself. He turned that witness stand into a pulpit. Now, Paul, I think, didn't look anything like the king. I think Paul maybe was hunched over a little bit, you know, and Paul was worn and torn, and Paul had been through a lot, and he certainly didn't have on the clothes the king did. The king, no doubt, had on the most uh, uh, expensive materials. Probably there was even gold and, and uh, all kinds of gems interwoven into the, what he had on. Paul was just cut on. He's probably got on that cloak that he asked that Mark would bring him into the prison because he was cold. That's probably what he had on. And Paul just tells his story. And I think that king in the beginning was, yes, tell your story. But I think by the time Paul was finished telling the story, I think that king was melted. I think that king was, I think he had an allergy attack. I think tears were in his eyes. Because he said this to Paul. He said, your story that you have told here today almost persuades me to become a Christian. Now, if you'll permit my imagination here, the Bible doesn't say King Agrippa came to Jesus. The Bible doesn't tell us he accepted Jesus. But I know about stories, and I know the potential stories have, See, when you tell your story, that person may not come to Christ right then, but you've got the gears turning in their head. The Bible says sometimes we plant, sometimes we water, and sometimes we harvest. So when you tell your story, that may be the first seed that's been put in that person. It could be, and I believe it was, the very first time King Agrippa had ever heard the gospel. And so Paul got the wheels in his head turning. There is a possibility, I'm not saying it's true, but there's a possibility that King Agrippa walked up to Paul in heaven when he died and said, the day you told your story, I did not come to Christ. But because instead of defending yourself, 
you just told your story. I never could sleep after that night, after that day. I never could sleep again restful. I, 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 I would think about it during the day. I, I got to tell you what you said that day on that witness stand. I cannot tell you the impact it had, but later, some of your followers, I, I heard them teaching about Jesus, and, and I came to Christ. But I wanted to say to you, Paul, that it was your story that got the wheels turning. I, I don't know if that's true, but I'll tell you what I do know. There's a good possibility that's true because Paul's story was powerful. You got a story. God gave it to you. He wants you to tell it. Let's pray. Holy Spirit, do what only you can do. Take this message today that has been preached by this preacher who's so desperate for your help. Take these words that are broken and just penetrate the hearts of every man and woman, boy and girl. I pray that every Christian would leave here and say, you know what? I've never thought about, or, or those that this is true about, that they would walk out and say, I've never really thought about my story. I'm I'm going to think about it. I'm going to pray about it. I'm going to work on it. And maybe some who used to tell their story a long time ago, but they just think nobody wants to hear their story anymore. And maybe they've told it so many times, they just think nobody cares anymore. And that's a, a lie from the enemy. I pray that they will pull that story back out and dust it off and begin to tell it again. I pray for those who don't know you today, Lord. They don't even know, but they have, a, they have a story inside them. But that story can't get out until they decide to follow you with all their heart. So if there's a man here today, a daddy, a husband, a single man, a military man, a, maybe a young person in college or a young person that's just got out of college or I don't know what, teenager, but a man here today, a woman here today who has not received you. I pray that right now they would go, Lord Jesus, I want to tell my story. I want to tell my story, but I can't tell it yet because it isn't complete and it will only be complete when I come to you. And so this morning in this service, I'm coming to you. I need you, Jesus. You died on the cross for me. You rose from the dead for me, and I've been running from you, but I'm not going to run anymore. I, I need you today. And I ask you right now, sitting in this chair, I just, I just ask you, Lord, to come into my life. I've been trying to run my own life, and I'm making a mess. I'm just making a big mess, Lord, and... And I need you to just take over my life. I want to I wanna give my life to you today. And I want to find out what my story is. And I want to tell it. I want to help people. I want to go to heaven one day. And I want to take as many people as I can with me. So I give you my life today, Jesus.
Every head in the building is bowed and every eye is closed and nobody's looking around because we wouldn't want to hinder anybody from making a commitment to Jesus today. So we're just praying. If you prayed that prayer today and asked Jesus into your life, would you just slip your hand up and put it right back down? Just slip it right up real quick and put it right back down. Everybody look at me. You got a story. God gave it to you. He wants you to go out of this service and start working on it and tell it everywhere you go. If you're a guest here today, we have a gift for you. If you're trying to decide about this whole Jesus, God, Bible, church thing, we have some information for you over on this side of the church. If you're witnessing to somebody, if you're trying to help somebody understand about Jesus, pick up one of the packets over on this side and give it to them. Hey guys, we're so happy you're here today. We're delighted you're here today. Can I just make a big announcement this morning? Big announcement? See some of y'all about to leave? You're gonna miss the big announcement. And it's big. As of January 1st, this church will be known as The Bridge. Now here's why we're doing it. We're doing it for a lot of reasons and we're gonna send out an email this week that's gonna have the details. But we just feel like there's a lot of confusion about this campus being called Whitley Church and the campus in Goldsboro being called The Bridge and we just wanna have one name. Whitley Church was named after a railroad station right down here at the railroad. Exactly, good. (laughs) Have y'all noticed that railroad station? Have y'all seen it? That's cause it ain't there no more. (laughs) You say, well, what about the road? It's Whitley Church Road. See, you're still gonna have that. You're still gonna have that. But as of January 1st, we've already talked to our denominational leaders and they they are all for us doing this. And to create a lack of confusion, we will have the Bridge Princeton Campus and the Bridge Goldsboro Campus. And one day, the Bridge Smithfield Smithfield Campus. And so uh, that'll give y'all something to chew on while you're having lunch today, all right? We'll be saying more about that later, but we want to go ahead and put that word out there and let you know about that today. God bless you guys. We love you. Thanks for coming.